so good to be back uh, in this, it, I guess this house. Uh, how long has it been since we so opened up the door to this house? 10,000 years. It feels like frozen. Like, it's time to open up the gates. Like, <laughs> for the what literally for the first time in forever. It's been 84 years. <laughs> yep. I mean, I can think of worse places to quarantine together. So let's all open up the door back into the mansion and step on in. And let me go ahead and introduce my fantastic panel. In the room with me is Katie Cullen. Hi, all my buddies. We have all been wearing masks. <laughs> and uh, joining us also calling in from Los Angeles is the lovely Stacey Shuttleworth. Hello, hello. I love that you gestured to open air when you introduced Stacey. <laughs> I felt guys, the gesture in my soul. <laughs> you guys can't see it, but I always uh, wildly gesticulate with my arms whenever we record. And calling in from all the way across the country is the wonderful Mark Vedonica. I've been in this damn mansion the whole time. Let me tell you, Instacart is a hell of a drug. <laughs> <laughs> it is... It is. Support your essential workers. It is. <laughs> yeah. What is What is your deliver? How have you been getting food delivered here? In- Instacart. <laughs> <I> just- <laughs> <Yep>. Case closed. <laughs> we got to the bottom of that mystery. <laughs> and I'm honestly not sure how Instacart knows how to find us, but it works. We're like 200 yards north from the nearest town. Like... Just in general. It's like second start of the ride straight on till morning. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you just have to be sure to put those special instructions in uh, every single time. And uh, I am Megan Salinas. And guys, I it's been way, way, way too long since we've gotten together to talk about Ruby. And I know we got to talk a little bit about Ruby when it came to RTX. But uh, considering that that was in, what, September? September, I think? I don't know what time is anymore. I really don't remember. Don't ask me that. (laughs) Yeah. It was at some point in our lives. It might have been two years ago. (laughs) Yeah, that may as well have been a million years ago. It may may as well have been last decade. So seeing as how none of us can remember when RTX was, uh, yeah, it's been a long time since we've gotten to talk about Ruby. And so, guys, today we are talking about Volume 8, Episode 1, Divide. And, oh, man, it it's so nice, first and foremost, to get together and chat with all of you lovely humans once again. Uh, what did we think of this first episode? Let's go ahead and start with Stacy. Ruby's back. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome we back. Very excited. Uh, this is a strong start to the season uh, that promises a lot of pain. A lot of pain. Um, we uh, we got to check in with all of our friends and not so friends in this episode. So we really kind of got the pulse of where everyone was and kind of set off our trajectory for going through this volume um and yeah we're we're going places <laughs> I, we're I don't going know if i want to go not so places. friends yeah some of those places i'm not sure i want to go uh, i would like to leave this carpool <laughs> 
We're just gonna push them all back together. I wound up in this Uber carpool by mistake. I'd like to get off before we get to the whale. Thank you. (laughs) We will not be using those landing zones. Thanks. We're going to turn around and go somewhere else. (laughs) Have you ever been in a, like in an Uber situation where you were, you genuinely contemplated having to tuck and roll? I think fortunately not. Have you? (laughs) Not that I know of. Were you planning on telling me about this? (laughs) Mark, how about you? (laughs) What the hell are we talking about? <laughs> no, She's dodging Megan, the question. What are you avoiding telling <laughs> us? It was, it was a legitimate question. When did this happen? I've never, I've never been in this particular situation, but it did happen to a classmate of mine. I don't remember what country he said he and his friend were visiting, but he and his friend got into a car that they thought was a taxi and it was not a taxi. And these folks genuinely tried to like drive off and kidnap these guys and extort them for money. So he and his friend had to open up the doors and duck and roll and they ended up just fine. (laughs) But yeah, that is a like, when he told me that story, I was like, that is a thing I didn't know could happen to somebody uh, duly noted. <laughs> so, sorry, that's just where my brain went when uh, Katie said she wanted to get off this Uber ride. Ah! <laughs> ah! Well, after that lovely tangent, Mark, what did you think of this episode? <laughs> where the hell am I supposed to go? Yeah, follow that up. Man. <laughs> Let let me talk about that music. Like, I don't. What the fuck? Um, we, we can cut him. that all out. We don't have to. No, I don't think we can. Nah, dude. No, no. That's the recording. There is some weird ass energy in the United States right now, and we are all feeling it because we were recording this on November tenth. So yeah, there's some historical context for you. We are all still going out of our minds. So no, let's keep it. Let's. Keep it. The country a, is tucking and rolling. Up in a thousand years. You know what? Fair. <laughs> it's uh, television. Like what? Um, <laughs> uh, th- it, this definitely did set an interesting tone for the for the rest of the season. I mean, we never thought that this was like the episode was going to start, and then all of a sudden, Cinder's defeated, and it's like, wow, you guys sure missed a hell of an action sequence. Like, no, this was we're we're building to something even more devastating whether that's emotional or physical or a combination of the two and it's it's hard especially right now like it was just mentioned the country and the world is kind of going through a rough patch to put it lightly and when you look to entertainment you you look for some positivity and rewatching this episode, there was really, there weren't too many places of like brightness or enjoyment. I, I say enjoyment. I, I mean of brightness. I, I did enjoy the episode, but it, it was all, it was all fairly grim to, to coin a phrase. But hey. at, at the same time, I just for, for all of our sakes, I hope there's, there's a, there's a bright future somewhere. And I, and I think there will be. I think we're building to something where, you know, evil is triumph or evil, evil triumphs or evil is punished. 
the happy ending that we're all hoping for. Sail yeah, you guys, wins. you guys want the the space whale to crash into the world and and make it explode too, right? Or is that that's just me? Um, Obviously. But that that sense of having to build back up, and I think the the fact that the world is going to be building back up with that with that feeling of hope and and wanting some hope. I I just hope that it doesn't come at too much of a price. I think that's fair. Katie, what do you think of this episode? I loved the episode. I think it was a fair indicator that this volume is going to hurt us a lot. A lot, a lot. We're we're looking at volume seven, eight, and nine as something of a trilogy. And we know from the interviews that we had during the RT there during this RTX that happened at some point during our lives. <laughs> At some point during this past millennia that we've all hopefully spent indoors, um, that they wrote eight and nine in conjunction. And we know from Twitter that they only just recently finished writing nine. So these were all written as a unit. Uh, We had our Lord of the Rings. This is going into our two towers and we're going to have our fellowship next volume. But two towers includes Helm's Deep, which is a whole lot of darkness before the before the dawn. And let's be completely real. I'm not sure we have a Gandalf coming to help us in this volume. I just I'm just not sure we do. Especially since and I know that we're going to talk about the opening theme in more uh, in more detail later on, but the opening theme to me hits like a spiritual successor to volume three's theme. And volume three was, uh, volume three happened, you guys. People didn't make it out of the <laughs> volume three. So I think that's kind of where we're headed, especially since we have some tone setting with uncertainly splitting the party because people believe different things and trying to convince ourselves that we are still united with Oscar keeping secrets from everyone. Even after last volume, we saw that for good or for ill, keeping secrets has consequences. We saw that there are really no good decisions, just the best ones that you can make. And we saw Ironwood murder a man in cold blood. So yeah, I think we're in for a world of hurt here. And all I can say is thank God real life picked up before this started because uh, Megan and I definitely had a lovely user on Twitter named Half the Battle, whom we adore, tweet us a screen cap from our reaction of last season's election episodes and go, hope you two are having a relaxing evening on Tuesday night. So I'm perfectly okay with life not imitating art right now and life actually doing better because when life does better, I can prepare for my art to hurt me in painful but cathartic ways i'm in yeah i i have to concur with both of those sentiments and and not to reiterate uh everything that stacy said as well this was a great temperature check it was a great way to catch us back up with everyone picking up after the immediate aftermath of the end of the last volume and Yeah, I think this episode basically acts as a barometer for the tone of the remainder of the of the season. And yeah, I kind of had to concur with the the sentiment that this is going to be dark. Like this is probably going to be the darkest volume of Ruby yet. 
And that's saying something considering, you know, we got the apathy in volume six and we had very, very serious consequences and character death in volume three. I think, and, and of course, volume seven, you know, that, that ended on a very dark note. Um, but I think we're like, we're using that, the dark stuff that was in volume seven as a springboard and we're just diving full into it in this volume. And I, I do agree. I do think that this is going to be a case of darkest before the dawn and that ultimately things will ultimately have a happy ending because Ruby has always been about that hope and that, that sense of, not pure optimism, but that optimism in the face of overwhelming circumstances, that's a recurring theme in a lot of Rooster Teeth shows. And so I, I think very much that we are in the escalation process where we are about to dive into Helm's Deep. And that's that's both really exi- exciting and very like nerve wracking. So, but let's, uh, let's go ahead and dig into uh, the first part of our episode, which is catching up with all of our villains. And we have Neo and Cinder flying aboard slash inside of Monstro, uh, this giant whale grim. And oh my goodness, like, I know we were making Monstro jokes at the end of the last volume, but guys, this kind of is very Kingdom Hearts. (laughs) Like, the exposed ribs, like, very much acted as, like, straight up landing platforms (laughs) and the inside felt like a video game chamber like i almost expected and a very optimistic anime boy holding a giant key to rush in and try to attack our bad guys which i would have been all in favor of um but yes what really quick what was everybody's take on the the inside of Monstro and learning that this thing, even though it's a living organism, also acts as kind of a luxury cruise ship? <laughs> Mark, what was your take on that? It was kind of the same as y'all. Like it felt it to me. It was like it was a mixture of convenient design of like th- this is like uh, a grim designer's idea of like oh wouldn't it be cool if the like the whale like where it that's what it feels like a a a a fun payoff for somebody's like dream design of a grim stacy salem you extra ass bitch (laughs) (laughs) look i I love that we have a swear episode yes i respect the commitment to having such just Go big or go home with the design, and she went big. Wanting to crush your enemies? Be sure to follow Air Grim. It's the only <laughs> way to fly in style. <laughs> Katie, what was your take? Is there an onboard bar? <laughs> we hope so. Is this like Arab Emirates, whatever, or whatever the em- Emirates airline, whatever? I have no wow. clue what you're talking really, about. Like, like the the fancy ass airline that has like beds and a second story on the plane with a well, bar. that's that's like a, a fair amount of international flights. Like a second story with a bar. Yeah, yeah. There, 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 there are. Or let me let me say this: there are more than you'd think. Okay, I thought that was just Emirates or whatever. I'm probably misremembering all of that. Um, I didn't see it as a luxury cruise liner so much as a floating battle station. But 
that's me. I have a hard time looking at the docking stations are its ribs and going, ah, yes, the height of luxury. But then again, I am not Salem. Girl is messed up. <laughs> Just like, I, I can definitely see her, though, like with blueprints figuring all of this out and then just building it from the ground up piece by piece. Today I made its ribs. Tomorrow I make my fancy ass chair. <laughs> ah, it is, it is beautiful. I, I, I very much adore it. Um, but let's focus on our characters a little bit. Uh, as much as I love the decor and the aesthetic of everything that, that gets put into Ruby, let's talk a little bit about the characters. Uh, okay, we had a moment with Cinder, and we've been building back up to this reunion between her and Salem because she knew she couldn't just come back to Salem, and also she's been working her own machinations for a little bit. Um, but we also got the slightest sliver of backstory for her, which is, you know, we this was alluded to at the end of Volume 7 as well. But here we actually had uh, a moment where we actually got to see what appears to be young Cinder having to, I guess, yeah, it, I mean, she is Cinderella, so it was a very striking image and the transition between the shot of her younger self and the grim hand was nothing short of masterful. So I think it's a fair indication that we are going to get some Cinder backstory in this volume, but where 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 does this leave uh where are we left with her what what lies ahead for this character and how long until basically her relationship with neo completely falls apart because what we're brought in with is a dynamic that i don't think neo was anticipating so mark what do you think this season has in store for cinder so i'll start with that last question i think Neo isn't going to last very long in this organization. And it may be a situation where uh, she either proves herself to Salem without meaning to by just standing up for herself and showing how powerful she is, or she just bounces and, and Salem respects it or whatever. And, and trusts the process you, I had, I, I, as I tend to do, in uh, our tapings of these, I have ideas that don't match the notes that I wrote down. Uh, what if, and th here's a shout out to all of our uh, theater fans out there. What if there's a little bit of Lady Macbeth in Cinder? Ooh. Because the thing that I, that came to that, that I just thought of, of in terms of her, she's having flashbacks of cleaning. And I think she's, trying to withhold like bad memories or whatever that made that caused her to lash out possibly if we're following the story of cinderella kill her stepmother and stepsisters and uh and from that she it, it turns into an out damned spot situation but she's also lusting for power so that that gives me at least a little bit lady Macbeth vibes in that and ultimately that is a tragic story um and th there's a lot of stuff relating to her hands and her hands being a reminder of her pain. And Lady Macbeth goes mad and can't wash the blood from her hands, no matter how hard she tries. And I, there was an, an amazing shot in this scene that 
you want to you want to talk about art so we get salem doing a mustache twirl essentially a mustache twirling that power will be mine and it's it's such a i say common but it's a shot that we're used to in the series that is interrupted by salem's hand interfering in the foreground in front of cinder's face which immediately removes any of the power that cinder was implying but what it also did was it echoed the look of how cinder steals the maiden's power and because she would hold her hand out with the glove the whatever the icker or whatever it was would would cover uh, covered autumn's face and she stole some of that power so it both like in it's something that your brain might remember if you don't think if you don't look and think of it right away because it took me to the second time to to really why does that shot look familiar oh because it's that and i i adored that and i i don't think that cinder's going to huh. like th- there was a thought once where cinder made join forces to in order to take salem down for her own gain whatever i don't think salem's going to survive the show i don't know about the season but i don't or cinder i don't think cinder's going to survive the show I also don't think Salem's going to survive the show either, but <laughs> we'll see. Just no, the big bad. That, that is awesome. Uh, that just that moment, it's Salem, you know, just visually indicating all that, you know, that power uh, that, that you're seeking, that power that you have. I can take it away with a wave of my hand. And that is, that's really cool. Uh, Stacy, what did you think of where where Cinder's at so far? So I think juxtaposing that entire exchange um, with Salem that Mark was touching on with that imagery of her, that flashback to her past, uh, really homered, hammered home the, the cycle of abuse um, that Cinder was probably part of growing up and how it twisted her. And, you know, we don't know much about how she got from where she was to when she became Cinder and stepped out as our, you know, number one villain here. But watching her interact with Salem and suddenly be completely reduced to nothing again, to be told explicitly that she was not the winner in this sense. She is not the one who is going to profit from everything that she's doing, that it is all for Salem's sake and Salem is the one who will be rewarded for everything that she is doing for her. Um, I thought played really, really interestingly, again, seeing that little glimpse of her past and knowing that Cinder has been kind of put down in that position and here she is being put back into a similar position by Salem. Yeah, one of servitude. Mm-hmm. And she lashes out herself in, you know, with extreme violence. She, you know, collects her own followers in Emerald and Mercury. Poor Emerald. She deserves better. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Uh, But it's interesting to see this cycle reflected. And I think we'll get even more juxtaposition about how that shape not only who she became, but how she is now interacting with Salem. And I wouldn't be surprised if she does lash out against Salem again. 
I don't know if it'll go well for her, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I can see it happening. Um, and uh, as as for Neo, I think Neo is wishing that she tucked and rolled. <laughs> <laughs> she was the one driving the ship. I don't think that matters. No, she would have. She could have yeeted herself real easy. Yeah, she could have yeeted herself and just floated to the ground with her umbrella. Just it would have like, been fine. She's lol, done it before. Lol, exactly. Why? Like, oh wait, you want us to land on the on the whale on the whale on the whale in the, the whale no. in yeah. the whale? Okay. Admittedly, the ribs are mostly external <laughs> because they are not functional ribs. They are therefore aesthetic, obviously, or rather, they're know. not functional as ribs. Uh, I think had she had 10 minutes of foresight, she would have dipped. <laughs> you want us to land on the whale, on the, on the whale, on the, on the, okay, 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 okay. Yeah, no, I'm just given what we saw of Neo and her expressions and the immediately being demoted to an asset from a partnership, she is mm-hmm. not sticking around. Oh, like no. there's, there, there's. There's a point where you sit there and you weigh your interest in getting revenge alongside another person versus retaining your personhood in this completely bonkers ass power structure that you have found yourself in. And I feel like personhood comes first and then you can take your revenge. Like you still kind of need to be you. And especially turning around and seeing how it's like, oh, I'm not the first person that she has made this little arrangement with. Okay, cool. Well, I know about these other people. Oh, this is how she's treating them. It's one of those moments of you're on a date with someone, you think it's okay, and then you see how they talk to the waiter, and you go, oh, oh, no. So that's where we are there. I don't think Neo's sticking around. I do appreciate, I think you're right, Stacey, about the cycle of abuse idea and that she has put herself back in this situation and also tried to put herself in Salem's situation with her continual gathering of assets, as Salem puts it. Like, she's still subservient to someone and still dependent on that person for her power, but she is also above these other people that she has gathered. Supposedly. We, we know that Salem doesn't see it that way, but, you know, giant shrug. So, yeah, I don't think Salem's staying around. And if Cinder doesn't duck and roll herself at some point, I will be surprised if Salem doesn't kill her herself. Well, she might actually have something else to worry about because uh, I guess along the way, uh, Mom picked up Tyrion. and (laughs) (laughs) How did he get up there? She picked him up. Uh, and he's sure, still let's around. Just land the whale. Well, no, I got he. Uh, Tyrion can use his tail like like tails, and can fly. <laughs> Watts put in some new features. Yeah, please, little go go gadget propeller. <laughs> please, I need this in my life. Noom. And he said it just like that. The murder scorpion. His go-go gadget uh, motor, t- motor, I guess, tail, and uh, definitely flew up to the whale. And oh man, 
he has not skipped a beat. He is still a sassy, sassy, sassy scorpion, and he still does not like Cinder. I feel like, given the opportunity, he would murder her so quick. The only thing that is keeping him from doing so is that Salem has a use for Cinder. But I also feel like when it comes to Cinder and Zin- and Cinder's quest for power, Tyrion could very well make a judgment call of like, well, she's only in it for herself. Uh, our goddess could find someone else to be her vessel. Like she doesn't, I, I don't know. I feel like this confrontation between the two of them, this confrontational attitude could escalate to the point where it could erupt into a fight. I know that Tyrion wouldn't ever go back on Salem. He's too blindly devoted to her for that. But like at the same time, I'm like, he clearly <laughs> hates her with every fiber of his being. Um, so that would be, I would be interested to see how that escalates he also might just be waiting for her to just fail on her own so (laughs) he could say i told you so but i don't know we'll see uh uh katie what did you think of Tyrion's uh entering back into into this scenario boy josh is just having the time of his life isn't he Fantastic performance. Again, I want to know how Tyrion got up there because I'm pretty sure Cinder didn't fucking land the whale. So, um, you know, it's it's the little things where I sit there and go, how and why, though? But yeah, he's he's terrible and I hate him, but he is so, so goddamn much fun to watch. He just is. You just really want to see this dumpster fire of a person keep going he's awful he's great i love him yeah that's that's about all i have for this guy it's just this is amazing <laughs> what an asshole <laughs> still an agent of chaos uh stacy what do you think do you think the Tyrion cinder rivalry is going to escalate this season I honestly wouldn't be surprised, um, especially if Cinder starts uh, kind of acting out against the the restrictions that she clearly doesn't agree with that Salem is is putting on her. If she starts to feel like she's being too repressed and needs to uh, act out on her own, Tyrion is first in line to help quash that. I guarantee it. Yeah. I almost feel like it's it's like that scene last volume on the aircraft. He's just waiting for things to go terribly so that he can jump in and have the time of his life. And make them worse. (laughs) My favorite agent of chaos. He's one of those makes things worse on purpose people. Like if you look at that, the the crosshairs of makes things better, makes things worse and on purpose, on accident. He is way in the corner of makes things worse on purpose. (laughs) Okay. So Mark, how do you think Tyrion is going to make things worse this season? I think like in terms of more characters than we think know more than they're letting on. And this isn't just because like, this I I'll have more to say when we get to the end of the show, but when Tyrion hears and takes in and accepts Cinder's quote barb about Watts, he know he knows that things aren't what they seem and may even know that Watts is still alive, and just the the way that he responded to that tell, told me 
that he knows more than he's letting on. Yeah, that that information is on a need to know basis and Cinder doesn't need to know. Yeah, it's uh, like actually that's a good point that reminds me of like Last Jedi when Holdo takes a command and all of a sudden our heroes don't know anything but it's because they don't they they messed up to a point where they don't deserve to know the information and with Cinder not capturing the maiden's powers she's messed up to a point where she doesn't need to know all of the information anymore. Nope. She has broken the circle of trust. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'll say. (laughs) Uh, But, um, you know what? Yeah, I I think it's going to be very interesting to see uh, how close to the chest he plays a lot of that information and um, whether or not... Uh, he's going to actually get down on the ground and do any any fighting, um, or if he's just going to like be on standby for the remainder of the volume. So and you know just be at Salem's side waiting for the right moment. We'll we'll just have to wait and see. Um, but there are a couple other characters that we touched on who got a little bit of a glow up this volume. Hazel, Mercury, and Emerald walk out, uh, and now our reunion of all of our villains is complete. And uh, yeah, they they have some very interesting looks for for this new volume. And it's been a while since we've seen them, so it's nice to see some updated looks. Uh, what do we think of these new designs? Let's go ahead and start with Stacy. Don't they just drip with style now? <laughs> <laughs> these were overwhelmingly deserved glow-ups. Uh, I think uh, Emerald and Mercury were due some upgrades. Yeah, uh, d- correct me if I'm wrong. They haven't gotten an outfit upgrade, I think, since they were initially introduced. Am I right? They have not. They have not. So this was a first of wardrobe change, uh, overwhelmingly. Uh, I like, I I like Mercury's especially. I think it still drips with how much of like a sarcastic, just aloof jerk he is. It, they really they really made that come through in his clothing, and I appreciate that. <laughs> I concur, Katie. Which uh, what do you think of these glow ups? In the immortal words of Meatloaf, two out of three ain't bad. (laughs) Um, I think Emeralds was straight up and down the best. I think she looks amazing. I think Mercury's is pretty solid. And Hazel, my dude, you have two thirds of a shirt. Where'd the rest of it go? It just, it just, I really don't like Hazel's. I just don't don't i don't know what it is about it i don't know if it's the fact that his ribs are modeled very weirdly i don't know if it's just that we know we're going into the tundra and yet we still have two-thirds of a shirt he's wearing (laughs) basically one of those gym bro tank tops with the armholes down to the waist like it's there's just something about his redesign where i looked at that and went oh oh no like i know you want more skin available so you can jam dust directly into it but also oh no (laughs) they told him they were going to vacuo when actually they were going to atlas (laughs) mercury thought it would be funny there's been a change of plans oh my god why would you do this to me and Tyrion's just like (laughs) mark what do you think about these redesigns I think Hazel's would have landed a little bit better if he kept his original hairstyle because he cleaned up a 
bit and and just sort of quaffed his hair a little bit and that's weird to katie to your mention about his design i agree to a point i think it counters what his initial design was supposed to be in we didn't really know much about him he was a mystery he was mostly covered but we got like an uncle iroh-esque reveal after he had been in prison for an extended extended period of time and now to me it shows the like i think clothing is a great way to reveal certain aspects of of their characters and the fact that at least for his upper body he's not wearing much first of all i gotta say it before anybody else does want to know how i got these scars anyway going on from there um we know how you got those scars we saw you get them last season it's so it's the thing of this is who he is he is completely comfortable with who he is and what he's about and is not afraid to show that off to anybody. And and to a certain extent, maybe there isn't much more to him than that. Uh, but other than that, I, I felt like it was a it was well overdue for the other two to get their redesigns or their new outfits. But I um <laughs> I I ultimately didn't really have that much of an opinion of him. I was like, oh cool. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it is just that, where it's like, oh, there's not much to it, but they, they look good. Um, I I really like, I really like, uh, I really like emeralds. Like, I I think it's very stylish, and I think it's very cute. Um, Mercury's looks looks good. I I think it, uh, like like you guys were saying, it looks solid. Hazel's, uh, I could take it or leave it, but I it also gives me so much pleasure, just like. Because we know that we knew that Salem got her glow up at the end of the last volume with that like absolutely fabulous dress that she is sporting, uh, and I just really like the idea of her walking into the room and going, "We are having a makeover day," and <laughs> Hazel not wanting to, but like the last time she got mad at him, he <gasps> she flipped a table and what? nearly nearly got him now, eaten by Grim. Oh my God, Megan! Now I'm seeing a version of the beauty and the beast beast glow up scene but it's all grim instead of like appliances and and like he's wearing the bib shirt and and like and emerald's like you look so so stupid like all of it i like i just and oh, she goes God. yeah that is what i was gonna say yeah th- yeah you took the words right out of my mouth Megan, you're oh, a genius. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> that's perfect. Um, okay. So uh, on this, again, this was a very dark, very heavy scene reminding our characters of that team. Uh, I keep wanting to say team dark because I played Sonic Heroes so much as a teenager. Oh, no. Call it team dark. <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, team witch, I guess. I don't know. Well, but anyway, our villains. Oh, I got it. I got it. One hundred percent that witch. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> I kind of like it. that. Um, but you know, uh, our 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 villains. We we have them. There we we know what all of them are about. We know kind of we've gotten kind of the temperature gauge of where they all stand. Not only in the grand scheme of this war, but very much with each other. 
And we can kind of extrapolate from there on how we think that's going to play out. But this was a this was a very serious scene where basically Salem reminded everyone, uh, in including the audience, who is actually in charge here. And um, again, very dark stuff. So I kind of wanted to lighten the mood a little bit. And would you all mind uh, joining me on the stairs as we mosey on over to the love loft? Because as uh, as dark as the scene was, it gave me an idea. I feel like we need a sound cue for the love loft, <laughs> even if it's just Mark screaming. Well, y'all can go upstairs. I'm going to stay at the bar. And I can hear you from I can hear you from down here. It's fine. Okay. Okay. For for those um, of you who are maybe new listeners who might be new to the mansion in which we host this show, uh, we have multiple different areas of the mansion in which we occasionally have side segments. And uh, my personal favorite side segment is the Love Loft, where we talk about shipping. Woo! <laughs> and if we're feeling particularly spicy, handling. <laughs> Shame on you. <laughs> did Katie make the handling joke? She did. Oh, God damn it! <laughs> you know me. You know me. This is why you keep me. I'm not back on my bullshit. I've never left it. And this is why I drink. <laughs> so what can I say except you're welcome? So Mark's gonna stay down at the bar, and the rest of us. I want to talk about. Uh, uh, honestly, it's a ship that definitely exists, but it's one that I've never given literally any thought to prior to this moment because these two characters had never shared a single moment of screen time together. And that is Mercury and Neapolitan. Stacy, Katie, do you think because of their shared what is definitely going to be realization that Cinder does not care about either of them. Do you think that these two characters could realize that she doesn't care and that they should get out of Dodge and maybe run away together? <laughs> and I don't know, maybe date or something after that? Guys, what do we think? Uh, let's start with Stacy. I mean, now I'm thinking about it. Go <laughs> off into the night to go be villains somewhere else. <laughs> We could be robbing so many people right now. Right? They could be doing whatever they want, having free reign while everyone is very, very focused on this giant whale in the sky. Exactly. World is, world is their oyster in this case. Uh, this, this would be the most antagonistic couple in the world. And I say that without Neo ever having to say a word. <laughs> and yet somehow it would still work that way. Megan, congratulations. You have you are now a master in the art of the crack ship. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a ship that makes no good goddamn sense, but we're doing it anyway because it's fun. Really? So they're really? welcome. So uh I, I couldn't help but over here uh but have another Disney scene idea of uh <laughs> Neo and Mercury, but it's the kiss the girl scene and <laughs> It's take your pick of who Sebastian is singing, really. Mercury. Well, no, because Mer Mercury's <laughs> in the boat with Neo, who's Ariel. Ah. So we need somebody to sing. Definitely a grim singing. So it's just. Or it's a, uh, it's it's Carrie's character from Chibi. Ah. 
Wait, did I did I say Mercury and Neo? I, I meant to say Emerald and Neo. You have written Mercury and Neo. Yeah, oh and you said goodness. you said wow, Mercury before the show. This changes things. Wow. Oh my goodness! Whoa. That's very different. You have slightly more basis on this one, but it is still a crack ship. Goodness gracious! Yeah. I am so oh, sorry, I everybody. Like Mercury didn't say a word in this in this episode. <laughs> no, I meant Emerald. My apologies, guys. I messed up. I messed up this entire segment. My God, I've been on board with this ever since I saw it on the thing. Like, all right, we're talking about crack ships. I have no idea where Megan got this one because Mercury didn't do shit this episode. But that's what a crack ship is all about. Oh, oh. You know what? Okay. You know what? I'm I'm, I'm slightly more down with this. It makes a little more sense. Still a crack ship. I like it. Before I go back downstairs and refill my drink, I can see this one. We got Mark, real men. Let's go. Mark, before before you go, I wanted to propose a different Disney scene that wasn't Kiss the Girl. I mean, uh, it could, we could still do Kiss the Girl because oh, ultimately, it could still be Kiss the girl. ultimately the, the main common thing is that there's a mute character in it. Oh, that's per. You know what? I shows you where my brain is at. I wasn't even thinking of that. Um, I was. I'm sitting here going like Emerald's whole semblance is that she can create illusions right so what can she do she can show neo the world shining shimmering splendid. shining shimmering and fake as hell <laughs> is there like a is there like a flat flying grim that they can ride around the world or or is it space whale again you know they did have i mean right outside the whale there were tons of flying grim i'm sure that there's one that's less Troublesome. <laughs> <laughs> Neil would figure it out. <laughs> I'm sure there's an idiot amongst the Grim that Salem has brought to take over and demolish one of the foremost kingdoms on the planet. Yes, I'm sure there is a Caboose Grim that they could get to help them. And you know what? It's probably <laughs> just Caboose. <laughs> like you don't have to convince him. He's probably he probably thinks he's helping. Oh my god. I just need one creature of Grimm that believes in love. That's all I need. It needs to fly and needs to believe in love. It believes in love as a snack. Well, I, I'm sorry. Stacy. do you have different thoughts on Mercury? Uh, not Mercury. No, no. Throw him out. He's out. <laughs> him out. Throw him entirely out. I also support that idea. I'm okay with throwing Mercury out. We can throw the entire man out there. There's the ship- a Mercury stand listening to this going, excuse you, what the fuck? To which I say, eh. This is what happens when you look in the wrong column of the Excel sheet. <laughs> For those Look, of you who don't know, there is an Excel sheet <laughs> that lists every Ruby ship. It's this is terrifying. What when you look in the They're wrong beautiful. column, and I apologize, I've ruined the show. We got Quicksilver <laughs> instead of Beautiful Lies. So yes, what do you think instead of Neo and Emerald <laughs> this volume potentially? Now, this I like because I imagine <laughs> this starting out with Neo just absolutely trash talking cinder trying to get emerald to see the error of her ways and like 
I say trash talking, which is obviously not what I mean. Uh, trash gesturing. Trash gesturing. Thank Doing you. Doing the Ruby Chibi thing of holding up the Wiley Coyote signs. Frantically writing notes to Emerald about <laughs> how ridiculous this is and how she's better than that. Can't she see it? And eventually realizing she is better than that or or she was even right better in front of her all along emerald <laughs> emerald is talking to neo and saying like all these things about how how much cinder obviously cares about about them and that cinder would never turn her back on them and all neo has to do is give her a look and, and slowly emerald- her narrative changes <laughs> Mm-hmm. And Emerald has to sit there and go, yeah, I've been lying to myself for years. Thank you, Neo. You always know just what to say. I think I have found my ship of the volume. Thank you, <laughs> I think I'm going to wait to see what happens in the rest of the volume. I, I oh, like no. what you were saying, Mark. All along, Emerald thought she was creating illusions for other people when really she was just creating an illusion for herself. Yeah. <laughs> it does. It does. This makes so much more sense. <laughs> it really does. I'm sorry, guys. Wow. It's <laughs> trying to make the best of it. So <laughs> I was like, all right, we have Neo and we have the Nothing Burger. What do we? Oh, you meant? Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm. Vi- I am so very excited for people to listen to the last segment and go, you know what? I didn't think about it, but yeah, Mercury and Neo. And then (laughs) you're going to set so many ships off to war that don't need to go. Why have a ship when you can have an armada? You know, you're you're building an armada for a war you're going to (laughs) lose. Set them all on fire. Oh, Oh, man. Hey, hey. A very, very wise uh, poet once told me that love is a battlefield. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, but, I mean, if people happen to take issue with the ships that we have <laughs> we have set to sail in this particular volume, they can reach out to us. And there are multiple ways of reaching out to us. Uh, for one, let, I wanted to use that as a segue to talk to you guys really quickly about iTunes. Folks, thank you so much to everybody who's gone to iTunes to rate and subscribe and leave a comment. We love hearing from you guys, and we love giving you guys a shout-out when you when you do. So if you haven't already done so, go leave a comment. Let us know what you're excited about this volume. Let us know what you like hearing us talk about on our show, and we will give you a shout-out on the show. But that is not the only way to help uh, communicate with us and to support us. Uh, We also have a Discord that you guys can join. And that way you can join in on the conversation and chat with us more directly. We have a ton of fun threads on our Discord. We have a fan art thread that I absolutely adore where people can share their fan art and fan art that they've come across online it's really really cool there's a ruby thread there's an rt first thread if you want to avoid getting spoiled for other things and you know waiting for public release we've got one for basically all things rooster teeth uh and so yeah you can join our discord by using the link in the description below 
And uh, if you haven't already done so already, you can also head on over to Twitter and follow us on our social medias and follow us at The Rooster Team. Uh, yeah. You can also check out our tea public. Yes, check out our tea public where you can buy t-shirts of the silly things that we say. What all do we have there, Mark? I mean, we've got graphics for Genlock. We've got graphics for uh, the podcast that we do. The the fictional po- fictional what the hell the uh, our I guess fanfic podcast that we do. Welcome to Vale. Uh, if you are familiar with Welcome to Night Vale, it is a crossover that we write with uh, Megan and I uh, are the head writers, and Katie and Stacy are the associate writers. It is a group project that we put together, and we create a Welcome to Night Vale style. Uh, radio broadcast in the world of remnant and we have stuff for that and we have stuff for any any of the rooster teeth fandoms that we cover and uh, we're adding to it all the time you can get masks now so you can like there's paper goods stickers shirts masks pillows great stuff tpublic.com slash the rooster team Yes. So thank you guys. It really means a lot to us. All the ways that you support and communicate with us, it really means the world. You guys are the absolute best. So now that we've, uh, now that we've gotten caught up with uh, our villains and what all they're up to, uh, let's go ahead and catch up with our boys and girls who are hanging out with the happy huntresses. Woo! Yay! I don't think anyone's really happy right now. I think we got a bit of a misnomer. That was such a unique energy to bring to this scene. It literally starts with Oscar in the slums getting soup from a badger man. What the hell? It's a party. <laughs> Yay! Nothing bad could possibly happen. You know now what? That now that you mention it, heroes. now that you mention it, I did hear Usher's uh, yeah playing in the background of this scene. So yeah, I get the energy. <laughs> Look, we already said we were going to have weird energy. We're just rolling with that. You... Also, it took me several watches to realize that man was a badger and that everyone else in that scene was a faunus. You guys can't tell me that seeing the boy does not bring you joy. <laughs> the boy does I would bring like joy. to see the child. <laughs> I would like to see my boy, Oscar. <laughs> be real that's basically how salem ended the episode i would like yeah. to see the child <laughs> i want to see my little boy bring me the baby here we come <laughs> okay so oscar's hanging out um with you know this group of faunus that are on mantle and yeah in in what is sadly called the slums, which it makes sense that there's kind of the shanty town that is inhabited by Faunus. It's a little bit of world building where given what we know about Mantle, it makes complete and total sense and is also equally heartbreaking. Um, but so our kids with the help of Maria, they pick up Oscar and they head over to, I don't think it's headquarters for the happy huntresses, but it's definitely a place where uh, the happy huntresses are sort of coordinating uh, relief efforts for everybody on mantle, trying to coordinate evacuations. And right now the problem is, is that they don't really have anywhere to go because Atlas has cut off any, any way of being able to evacuate the people of mantle on to atlas so 
they're in a little bit of a bind right now because the heating grid is still off. And so what sort of springs up is an ideological debate between our characters of what what do we do? What action can we take? Do we still try to play the long game and try to get the word out um, via the Amity Arena? Or do we focus on the task directly in front of us and just try to help the people of Mantle? And like I said, it's a little bit of an ideological divide. And we have certain characters falling on different sides of that debate. So uh, what did we think of who falls on what side of this particular argument? Uh, let's go ahead and start with Katie. I want to start with Yang giving the vote of no confidence to Ruby was fucking heartbreaking. Good Lord, that was painful to watch. And I get it because we have, we, we kind of saw this a little bit with Crow and Raven. We have two siblings with two very, very different approaches to the world. And so them coming down on different sides of this makes sense. But it also really hurts because it's like, oh, oh, no, these two are supposed to have each other's backs. Oh, no. So th there is a lot of that. There is a lot of pairs of people who complement each other very nicely being split up because of how they approach things and because of how they think of things. The problem in front of you versus the bigger picture, both of which are equally valid. But at some point, you got to make a choice. So... I appreciate that we have slightly different team comps, as it were, and I appreciate that we had that conversation about that's what she wants to do. She wants to divide us. No, she wants us to fight each other. We can still work together while accomplishing different but related goals. And I appreciate that they had that because uh, that's some real life application there. You're not always going to agree with the people you're allied with. You're not always going to have the same priorities. But the fact that you can work on different things and still be working towards the same goal and working together is pretty damn important. Let's be real. And it's not always the most comfortable thing on the planet. So I appreciate that life lesson there and that they made it very clear that like, no, we're not fighting over this. We're still working together. We're just doing, di we're, we're going about it in different ways. So yeah, I, I will be interested to see how these team comps function. And I actually kind of love this. Mark, how about you? Well, one of the main things that I'm upset about is the fact that they made the Yang, Jean, Ren, Oscar team comp, not a color, especially when we have Team Rainbow on the other side. Like, <laughs> come on. It's uh, right there. It's right. It's like you we nailed Rainbow, but who do we have left? I guess we're making up a color. Um <laughs> But actually, actually, wait a minute. He has a self, he has a realization. So maybe so what we're you we're used to teams coming together. There is a, an, an anagram that res kind of resembles a color that we can turn into a color and that team tends to work out well. So what I'm wondering is we have rainbow. Uh, well, to make it work, I had to make it rainbow and Penny because Penny is her own amazing human being. But, and um, Penny. And, yeah. <laughs> so we have Team Rainbow, uh, which for those keeping track at home, that's uh, Ruby, Nora, Blake, and Weiss. And Penny and we have uh, the other team that we can't make a color out of 
out of their orientation. So will they not work as well together? Does, is that a, a way of telling us that maybe what they're what they're trying to accomplish, they can still accomplish it, but there may still be a little bit of conflict to to find in it. I think splitting the party with, you know, we've seen it work before, so we don't have any sort of a reason to not trust that this could work, but we're also splitting up great communicators, people that need to talk, people that need to really work through some emotional biz. And uh, that doesn't help anybody. Uh, So to that end, I think the personal uh, lineup, I I hope that allows people to talk to each other about others. Like maybe Nora and Blake can have a conversation about their quote, significant others or or something. I mean, that's kind of a, that's kind of a uh, Bechdel test, but uh, you know, but people that we don't see talking about certain things because the other person is there, maybe that maybe they'll have an opportunity to to talk. That's one of my main things with shows like this: is everybody keeps their feelings in and doesn't have an opportunity to sing it out like it's a musical. But if they have an opportunity just to talk to somebody about how they're feeling and how, and about how they're doing, I think that that could help people dealing with the relationship tr- problems in their own lives, people who haven't experienced this sort of ideological split, but you still care about the other person. There's a lot of stuff that this break can do to benefit both the show and its viewers. My one concern with that is that we had a whole lot of talking things out last season, normally, namely from Crow and uh, look at what happened to Clover. True. And, but that's, but but at the same time that, that you bring up an excellent point because now we know oh, well, that didn't work out for Crow in the last season. And our characters, while not necessarily knowing entirely what was going on with Crow and Clover as much as the audience did, that can create a situation where scenes can play out and the audience knowing, oh, this isn't going to end well. What if it ends better? You know, there, there's that opportunity. They've, uh, they've shown us one thing to get us to either get us ready for it again or to... Uh, swerve and go in the opposite direction. And I think there's an opportunity for both. That's a good point. Stacy. what do you think? I think having this kind of... So our teams have been forced into this very real boots on the ground. This is what's happening. We're not living in ideologies anymore. And their teams worked so well because they had all these varying ways of how they would handle things and and these personalities that come together in different ways to kind of build off of each other and bounce different ideas like that. But when you're down on the ground, I mean, we have the Huntresses who are a well-oiled machine, an operation that is doing something tangible right then and there. So obviously some of, some of our group is, is going to turn to that immediately and be like, yes, this is tangible action. I can see it working. This is something we can do right now to keep, to keep under control to actually help uh whereas our more ideology idealistic uh team rainbow is still is looking at the bigger picture though we're going to save the world as a whole so to see them kind of have this first big test of well what are you going to do when you're in the middle of it uh and 
I think the Yang and Ruby interaction was really interesting. Less so for, so for me, Yang's kind of breaking with her. I think Ruby's reaction was also worth noting because she really hasn't had them push back like that before. Kind of tell them, well, we said we'd follow you, but it's kind of not working and I have my own ideas. And I don't, I, I noted uh, Yang kind of tried to, to smooth it. Hey, hey, no offense. Before Ren sweeps in and goes, oh, no, no, full offense. <laughs> and kind of derailed the entire conversation right there. <laughs> but I think we have them approaching it very differently. I think Yang doesn't necessarily see it as a break, like a, a full divisive action. But I think Ruby was a lot more hurt by, I mean, understandably hurt by having her big sister be like, yeah, no, your decisions aren't cutting it anymore. I think we should do this. Yeah, I mean, given that they, like, they're not in school anymore. Like, they're, even though they're all hunters and huntresses now, but, like, that whole structure seems to not really matter in the face of the apocalypse. And so, like, on the one hand, it's like, of course, we're, they'll always be a team. But, like, that blind, like, we're just going to follow you no matter what, that's not how the real world works all the time. And we even saw hints of that um, from Yang last volume, too, because pretty sure she and Blake didn't really consult anybody else on Team Ruby when they decided to confide in Robin. So... We've known that this has been coming for a little while. Um, so it's interesting to see it um, manifest so soon in this volume of like, okay, yeah, no, we are splitting up right from the get-go, but obviously not in a way where there's any animosity. Because, um, yeah, that's that's a, that's the wonderful thing about uh, family is you can walk different paths without there being any sort of malice there. Like, it should be okay for you to both go your own way. Um, but yeah, it, it can be hard, especially when things at the end of the last, or things at the beginning of the last volume, were they were all in a very, very different space than they are at the beginning of this volume. Um, so having to sit down, recalibrate, and figure out what to do next is always, it's always a nerve-wracking process. But we do have two plans. And I think out of all of the character interactions, the ones that actually surprised me the most um, as far as who chose what team to go with was actually Ren and Nora. Um, you, made a, you guys made a good point about uh, Team Rainbow being the more optimistic team. Um, because I definitely had Nora, um, like I figured out of the two options, Nora would want be w one of the people wanting to help um, get the people of Mantle to a safe place um, and actually be one of the people who's doing that boots on the ground like work because the, she seems to care very deeply for the people of Mantle and their plight. So it surprised me a little bit when she was like, no, we, we want to, there are two, there's a micro issue to tackle here and a macro issue to tackle here. And we're going to tackle the macro, but I do, uh, I do appreciate that they, that, you know, with them trying to tackle both of these problems at once, it's not saying that one is more important than the other. They're equally important. 
Um, but I was surprised because I figured Ren would be more big picture and Nora would be more like, no, we have to help the people who are right in front of us because she's been advocating for them the whole time. Um, so I did find that interesting. And, and, but it also does make sense uh, because Ren has been, I think with the way that things have been left with Ironwood, I think, you know, he was leaning very heavily into, we want to do things the way that the Aesops do things. Um, you know, yes, general, all that other stuff, that stuff he was leaning into last volume. So I think without that sort of structure, he's feeling a little lost at the moment. So I, I worry about what that means for the Ren and Nora dynamic for the rest of this volume. That you you bring up a very interesting point. It, I think Ren is having flashbacks of Kuroyui. Oh yeah. Like in the sense where he has an opportunity to save a city from a few like a present a future that he is all too familiar with. He wasn't. He didn't feel able to really stand up and fight during that time. And I think the 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 real split of Ren and Nora happened when they killed the Nuklevi whereas Ren said or, or it feel like I feel like Nora took that as a way of we can do good for this world because we defeated it whereas Ren had a thought of we defeated it too late and I have to make sure that this doesn't happen to anybody ever again and that set them on the micro and macro paths that's Megan, again, you're a genius. You, that's you, <laughs> you, you, you sent me on that thought, that thought journey, and I think that might have been where this division, like we, we, they came together. It's, it's like they both they came together for the same reason, but they were thinking about it in a different way. Well, and we also still don't know the broad strokes of Nora's past. We know that she was there for the Nuklevi incident, and that it was not her home, but. We don't know how she got there or why she was alone. So it also makes me wonder if something that she experienced even before then really shaped that worldview. Both both of those make sense. Fair point. I like, mm-hmm. sorry? I said fair point. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, my only real issue, like... I, I appreciate the that that like these are both very very important action items that need to be done, and I appreciate that uh, you know true leadership requires delegating because you can't do everything yourself. But my only problem with uh, this strategy is that the place that they are evacuating the people of Mantle Two is the crater directly beneath Atlas, guys. <laughs> I know that there aren't really a ton of options, but we've been saying for a long time now that that city is going to fall. Why, have we ev- why are we evacuating all of the refugees to where that thing is definitely going to crash? Honestly, for one, I don't think the Huntresses know about the staff. Don't think they've been let in on that little fun, you know, the but relic. Penny, Penny mentioned it in front of them, though. Uh, no, uh, she had uh, the other person had left the room when they started talking it, about. But the wasn't staff. May still like right there on a call? And maybe she was on a call and didn't listen. But yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think she was on in the other room. 
And regardless, we don't know if the Huntresses have been told about the relic and about it keeping things up. Um, and just looking at it from a tactical perspective, if you have people spread out in the city, you have limited sight lines, you have people spread out, and you have Grim coming around every corner where you can't see him. If you have everyone in the crater, if no one has heat, you can put them together, it is warmer, and then you have very, very long sight lines. So while you're still in for a hell of a battle, at least you can't be taken by surprise. So tactically, it makes sense. In terms of dramatic irony, this is gonna make fucking suck. <laughs> I don't know. Stacy. do you have a thought on whether or not that's a good idea? Is that a good exit strategy for all these guys? I have concerns. Many <laughs> concern. That's the name of this entire episode. <laughs> I have concerns. <laughs> oh, boy. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, how about, yeah, does anybody else have any uh, other concerns? Because that's, that's my big thought. I, I'm less concerned about them all splitting up and having to accomplish different tasks. And my more immediate concern is what is going to happen to all those people when Atlas comes crashing down? Death. Death <laughs> comes. <laughs> Just a full reaper. Death comes. Wait. Wait, 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 wait. Idea. Oh. Idea. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what if we, what if Atlas purposely drops not onto the people of Mantle. In this scenario, Atlas will not be directly above that crater. But what if Atlas drops directly onto the giant whale Grim? Atlas is not a moving city. <laughs> the Grim I mean, would yeah, have to be out. below the city for yeah, that to happen. It only moves and in I one feel direction. Like it's just statistically <laughs> unlikely. <laughs> Here, whale, 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 whale. Come over here. <laughs> I feel like we could go fishing and make this happen. Well, it could be it could be a thing of like, if Salem wants the relic, she can have it. And they remove it and then it falls and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I, I, I feel like it would work if it was just a whale. But there is a very intelligent person piloting that whale. So I don't think she's going to fall for the look at the keys trick. <laughs> so... So what if they used the staff to create a power source to replace the staff? That would they be do that. <laughs> that would be awesome. That, no, I agree, Stacey. That's 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 too. Keep hmm. your logic out of this, please. Yeah, I know we're talking and about again, like Pinocchio analogs, but that's too on the nose. And again, the second you use the staff to do something else, Atlas falls. So that's. Um, problem. You well, got time before it hits the maybe ground. They can catch uh, it. <laughs> yeah, you got time. It's fine. Yeah, it's like Indiana Jones in the boulder. Everyone will lay flat on the ground Stacey. in the crater. To quote Stacy, I have concerns. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, uh, we've we've got more more things to talk about. Um, is there anything else we want to talk about uh, regarding Team Rainbow and uh, Team Miscellaneous? Hey, using colors? it already. All right. Okay. <laughs> I like Team Rainbow. I think team, it's fun. Team Multi Pack. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm in. 
Because Team our, Jory. <laughs> our boys and girls do get interrupted by a phone call. Uh, before we talk about that, yeah, any other anything else we want to touch on regarding uh, our two teams? No. Okay. <laughs> I just called to say I want you to come back home. <laughs> Uh, before Weiss can tell us about her definitely great idea to <laughs> infiltrate um, the Atlas military compound, we get a call from General Ironwood. In what I really appreciated the scene of everybody looking at each other as the phone rings and being like, wait, whose scroll is going off right now? And it happens to be Penny. So Ironwood calls up our kids and he doesn't seem to be in the best of mood. He's had quite a day. Uh, and he demands that, you know, Penny Penny come back and he still can't understand why Ruby is at all concerned with the people of Mantle. Um, because he's like, we are doomed, 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 doomed if, uh, if we can't get away from here right now. So uh, that sets up Ironwood you know, when we go to meet him in the hospital and the Aesops are there, they uh, are unfortunately seeing that Clover has been murdered on their last mission. And Winter is in what appears to be stable, but intense recovery. She is pretty worse for wear. Uh, But yeah, Ironwood isn't really in the best sorts right now. And what transpires is not great because he is interrupted by two of his fellow council members. One of them accuses him of being scared and he straight up murders one of his fellow council members. And I don't know about you guys. I knew that there was no going back for this character after he shot the baby, but it says a lot that he straight up murdered a co a colleague that accused him of being afraid so how badly do we think this is going to continue to escalate for Ironwood? Let's go ahead and start with Mark. So I was, it, it took me a while to think about this. So James shoots Sleet, but leaves uh, council member Camilla alive. Why would you, and I mean, it's, they probably would have been both off screen if they were going to do it. But um, now that Jacques is gone, quote unquote gone, not necessarily forgotten, but gone. Uh, James We'd like to forget him. James has all of the votes, and leaving one member of the council alive, and uh, essentially on his side because you vote like I vote, or I'm going to shoot you like I shoot, like I shot Sleet, um, makes him look less crazy to the public because the public doesn't know all of this. They really only know what Ironwood is telling them. So by having a, if you're a regular, a regular citizen of this city, stuff's going crazy. The general has been relatively reasonable the whole time. And he says, uh, it's really unfortunate that council member Sleet had to go and we did take Jock away. And that was- He was killed by that insane man with the, ins- with the scorpion tail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, you know what? That, that, you know, you could flip it to the public like that. But he says, uh, but councilwoman uh, Camilla and I are here to make sure that the city stays safe. And then like, if you're watching that, I mean, sus- uh but at the same at the same time there's still like a well he doesn't seem like he's completely crazy 
and and that's that's where I feel the public is going to be. But I think more importantly was seeing how the Aesops were reacting, and um, it, it for for a second seeing Clover on the slab, I was like, oh, they didn't cover the body. He's real pale though. Yeah, he's probably dead. They didn't. <laughs> they they really didn't have to show the body like specifically. I th- I think that was a little bit too much of a of a ex- and excuse this phrase a gut punch. I feel like that's one of those. So for those of you who forgot, <laughs> like I'd like you to remember exactly where we all are. Um, I, it was definitely a gut punch for the audience, but I also think that it was a good confirmation for the audience as well, just to be like, yeah, the Aesops know now like there is no question there is no when will they find out they straight up know they know whatever story is told to them but at least it's confirmation so yeah it was definitely like oh oh boy but i can see why they did it yeah and out of all of them harriet seemed to take it the most personally uh stacy what do you think about ironwood becoming unhinged well i think uh describing it as not great is very very mild (laughs) (laughs) and the sun is slightly warm man daddy's Uh, having a rough time oh my god yeah yeah he'll get over it though and it will be fine (laughs) (laughs) that's definitely something we all believe here jeez yeah we have we have passed the point of no return Ironwood's straight up doing a murder in front of everybody, so he's making it very clear that, yeah, he might have them under his control for now, but if they even think about questioning him, he will not hesitate. And that is a hell of a threat to make. Yeah, like I said, it it doesn't sur- it doesn't come as a surprise that the person who accused him of being afraid is the one that ended up dead. Like, Mm. Ironwood is terrified, and he will do anything to prevent anybody else from seeing how much his fear is controlling his actions right now. Mm -hmm. He will shut that down quick. Yeah, he is absolutely running scared, and it doesn't help that his semblance is essentially double down because we're stubborn. (laughs) Like, that's great in battle. That's great when you just need, like, that extra bit of oomph to go over the line. It is not great when you are having a full-on breakdown and shooting people who should be your allies and making terrible decisions. Like, even before that happened, the bit where I sat there and went, oh, yeah, he's not fucking okay, was basically him telling Ruby, we have to leave, we have to leave now, and if it breaks through our defenses... Everything that happens is your fault. It's just like, wow. It's the opposite of the the creator meme of the, here I made this. No, I made this. It's like, you I, you did this. No, you did this. <laughs> just that I cannot be held responsible because you ruined everything. And he he's really not doing okay. But the thing is. Everyone who could have basically gone, hey, you need to not right now, is either gone or someone he no longer trusts because he he either sees them as having lied to the, him or they straight up did. So, yeah, there's uh, there's problems. 
there's problems. He is a man adrift. Well, and right after he kills uh, uh, the council member, like Harriet and Winter exchange this look. And it's a look that doesn't necessarily <laughs> express confidence in the man they pledged loyal loyalty to. Um, no, it was but, a look uh, of "Are we the baddies?" <laughs> that first sliver of realization happening right there. So, ooh, we goofed. Ooh, we goofed up so bad. <laughs> Wait a second. Well, and also, like, correct me if I'm wrong. It's been a while since I've seen the last volume, but. When everything went to shit and Penny wound up with the maiden powers, didn't Winter essentially tell them to go? Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. there's that understanding. It's like, I'm not coming of, with oh, you. I'm letting you, I'm giving you a head start. Yeah. Right. But that, that moment of if he finds out about that, what will he do? Well, Realizing think... that you're only useful to this guy as long as he thinks you're on the up and up. And if you're not, oh shit. Oh boy. Like, I don't think they're going to outright say, hey, Winter, thanks for letting us go that one time. I think they're going to try to beckon her onto their side. And and James is going to think, she's not going to join you. But the look in Winter's eyes after seeing what James has fallen two is going to make him think oh my god you're going to go with them and he might act rashly as a result oh yeah and I, this this is less me saying oh they're going to outwinter and more winter realizing like oh this is the situation that we're in now this is what's happening and I just let my I let the maiden and a bunch of fugitives that I happen to be related to one of which I happen to be related to go if he finds out, like, shit. Well, <clears throat> what I worry about is he very pointedly said, I don't know what I'd do without you. He is holding on to his humanity by a thread. Literally, the like, more and more of him, <laughs> the longer the series goes on, he becomes more and more Terminator. <laughs> um, and so I, I wonder if, either Winter choosing to turn her back on him in order to help her sister or choosing to leave because he's done too many monstrous things to continue to justify her loyalty or even just not like, like, like she doesn't even necessarily has to choose to leave him. He could even just perceive that her maybe disagreeing or giving her two cents on a particular issue could be, construed as disloyal and he could become like i said he's becoming even more and more unhinged he could perceive any slight action as disloyalty and if he feels like he has lost winter's loyalty that might be the last thread of his humanity and there might not be like i there's definitely not any going back for this character but i could definitely still see him sacrificing himself in some way if he if he feels like he has lost winter's loyalty then that's i feel like he could do something even more monstrous than anything we've seen from him so far and considering he tried to kill the baby that's saying a lot we really can't meet a headmaster without just getting them murdered 
We just can't. The camera shows up on these headmasters and it's like, oh, oh, buddy. Oh, no. Nice knowing you. I mean, I'm only partway through that second book. Uh, <laughs> um, at, is it Before the Dawn? I'm only partway through that. We've met Theodore. I don't know if he makes it to the end of that book. <laughs> no spoilers. Yeah, no spoilers. No spoilers. Um, but uh, we have one other thing to talk about uh, in this episode, and that is the new intro. Uh, and something that Ruby volumes always do is they always somehow manage to become even more anime than the intro that came before. And guys, this was a really cool intro. Katie touched on it a little bit at the top of the show, um, talking about the darker tone and uh, the darker sort of song choice and everything like that. What was everybody's favorite part of the intro? Let's go ahead and start with Stacy. Uh, honestly, the kind of picture within picture of our four main girls, yes. uh, their kind of current, their current silhouettes with kind of their their beginnings, their motivations reflected inside of them. That was such a poignant image, like set of images. Um, and I, I especially want to mention Yang's because out of how grim that entire kind of intro is and the entire mood of this volume, for some reason she's giving me the most hope and optimism. Well, and a yeah, lot of it stems from that image. Well, and even her like present day kind of in the moment shot looked almost like hopeful and ready to go in a way that a lot of other shots that we get didn't look. I think that's I think that's fair. Um, it was definitely my favorite aspect of the intro too. How about you, Mark? What was your favorite? Something that. I thought I wanted to talk about when we were talking about space whale. Um, <laughs> something that I noticed about the, like speaking of it getting more anime, the villain hierarchy thing where like the fire at like Cinder's fire, like roars up and you see all of the different villains. The last one before Salem was Mercury. Yes. And I found that ridiculously interesting, which makes me think that, one, the sh- the aforementioned ship is going to happen one way or another. In the- <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, seriously, though, in the sense that everybody is going to abandon Cinder. Cinder is going to be abandoned, and it's going to be by Mercury, uh, who is going to, who has always seemed to be a little bit too gung-ho about everything with Salem. He's smart enough to realize that what watts and Tyrion were doing gets the most favor and is also allows him to be the most reckless so i feel like by the end of this volume he's going to be like hook line and sinker a salem lackey as opposed to a cinder lackey and by the end of this as well uh it's going to be emerald and neo that are going to be splitting off to do something but it's going to leave cinder all alone and I think that that little bit in the intro is just ridiculously interesting. But something that was proven a one of my many crazy predictions at the end of last season <laughs> was that our boy, the Doc Watts, is alive, baby. <laughs> but, but... If we can go uh, over here, there's there's another part of the mansion, uh, conspiracy ah, corner. Hey! Yes! Are, we, are we settling in? 
Oh, I've been here all episode. But <laughs> screaming so, up at the love loft on occasion. One of one of <laughs> Thank you. I'm I'm gonna need it to calm down. Um one of th- this means one of two things. One, Watts is alive. Case closed. Two, a lot of people were saying that this intro was giving people Kingdom Hearts vibes, which put in my head uh what was the what was the digital one coded what if this is a digital construct or a virus of watts that is keeping pietro from accessing any of the digital stuff that he needs because it appears as a reflection like there are a bunch of 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 mirrors that people are seeing different reflections of themselves in and Pietro thinks that he sees him, but he doesn't. But it's a, it's in the mirror, so it's making me think that one way or another, Watts is alive. In whether that's him as a person or him as a digital construct, I think we're gonna wait to find out because he's smart enough to pull off that kind of a thing. The Watts virus. Gonna kind of put a pin in that one a little bit. We got confirmation at the end of last season that Watts was alive. Oh, that's right. Duh. But in <laughs> we got that right. little scene of him sitting in prison, and that's the point where I kind of right. scream my face off, like, "Why doesn't anybody double but, tap?" But Mark, you bring up a good point because he was imprisoned at the end of that volume, and so like, like in theory, he wouldn't have the means of being able to access the grid. So it's like, does he does he escape? Or does Ironwood choose to like be like you're gonna work for us now? Yeah, that goes back. <laughs> that goes back to what my I like. I tried to find that prediction in our episode as opposed to going back and watching the show. And I appreciate everybody who is probably screaming at their podcast feeds uh, about me getting that <laughs> detail wrong. And thank you, Katie. But I still, I still think there's a. It could be some sort of a digital avatar, if not uh, Ironwood, just up and saying you're working for us now. See, I'm that I think is a very good. I think that you're working for us now is a very good prediction because why else would Ironwood keep him alive? Um, I can also see a jailbreak in the future because who else do we have in jail? Crow and Robin. Who are we not going to sideline for an entire goddamn season? Crow and Robin. So we'll yeah, it, see. it sh- in the intro it showed them like bonding, growing bro- up, and yeah. Yep. Yeah, with I I think a beautiful transition because it's the Aesop um, pin from Clover falling, each of the members of the Aesops being shown in a Clover and then one Clover divided with Harriet and Crow. So I think, Her- you know, if if these two folks do break out of jail and by if I mean when uh, mm-hmm. it's Harriet who's going to be the most dedicated to trying to apprehend them. I mean, she more than anyone else would probably be the first one to look at the situation and go, nope, 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 nope. Like, I can see that happening. But if she blames them for being responsible for Clover's death, I I don't know. I I feel like it's going to take a little bit more to get. I feel like the it, like there's plenty there to hint at the Ace Ops eventually turning against ironwood and helping out our boys and girls for the sake of the greater good but i feel like it's going to take more <laughs> um like it's going to be to the point where ironwood's brutality is unforgivable for them to stop following his orders 
And I don't know what at what Mm -hmm. stage that's going to be. Yeah, I agree. I don't think we've hit that point. And I mean, we talked about this a little bit last season about how being in the military for a good amount of time, how basic training, et cetera, et cetera, how a military mindset really changes you. And so going against that is not an easy thing to do. And we talked about that in terms of Clover's thought processes, but it's also something very much worth applying to the rest of the Aesops. So yeah, things to uh, things to keep in mind going forward. My favorite parts of the intro. Yes. <laughs> Honestly, the beginning and the end. It's 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 the bits that are a lot more straightforward and a lot less, ooh, interpret things, look at the camera angle. Like everything is valid, but the bits that stuck with me were at the beginning, seeing the parts of the city and then flashing to them overtaken with grim and, and just I really, really like the quick contrast of, you know, it's the how it started, where it's at meme, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I appreciate that a lot. But the other parts that I liked were the solid colors on black, the outlines of the weapons, the outlines of the grim, and the happy question mark, ever, never, after, again. So instead of happy ever after, we Ooh, get so happy, edgy. never again. Yeah, we get happy, right. never again. And I'm just like, yeah, it's a spiritual successor to time to say goodbye. Like, yeah, I get it. It's going to hurt me. But my God, I just keep looking at that part and going, I love it. I love it so much. I would watch an entire video of just this art style and this bullshit. Give it to me. I mean, you could probably find those. Like, their AMVs, the AMV community is still pretty, pretty up there. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I, I like. I like the the aesthetic bits of this intro that are are just very visually pleasing. I like the meaningful story bits. Um, But I think one detail in the intro that I thought was absolutely excellent, um, whether it's metaphorical or literal, is irrelevant to me. The return of the apathy... Uh, <laughs> makes my heart sing because I really, really loved those grim villains. I love when Ruby goes full horror movie. Um, but I, again, they, it doesn't necessarily have to be literal. Like they don't have to literally fight a bunch of apathy um, in order to make the climax of this volume interesting. I think the apathy is an interesting choice um, for the end of this intro. One, because they're scary. Um, and two, because, I mean, apathy ultimately is the enemy of anybody who wants to fight for change. It is the biggest enemy you have to conquer when it comes to facing people who are, who mean other people harm. Like, I, I, I think that's interesting, um, given the, again, we, we talked a little bit about the state of the world. And I think uh, viewing apathy as an actual antagonist, I think, is uh, very fitting for these times that we are living in. Um, but yeah, I think more uh, overall, I think that just about does it for this episode. Is there any other detail, uh, anything else uh, about this episode that we want to talk about? Any other uh, wishes or hopes for the future of this volume uh, that we want to touch on? Let's go ahead and start with Katie. Can we maybe talk about the fact that 
Oscar is not telling people that Ozpin is back in action. Oh yeah, I did forget that. I, I <laughs> no, you brought it up. I, I brought it up at the beginning, but I just I kind of want to talk about it. Like I appreciate that we had that. You and I are not done talking yet. Just that nice little <laughs> moment. But also, we <laughs> please don't lie to your teammates. We've been over this. Please stop. <laughs> so that should be interesting. And I think that is a little bit of Oscar becoming more like Ozpin as time goes on. I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. There's nothing wrong with wanting to sort a few things out before you bring it to other people. Um, but yeah, it, it it was it was certainly a choice. Uh, Stacy, how about you? Yeah, I think that Oscar deserves to be able to work through it on his own a little bit. But also, we just split the party. We're not <laughs> going to be dealing with this as a group for quite some time. So now we have basically guaranteed that this is going to remain unknown to at least half of the party for an extended period of time. Good point. <laughs> oh, no. So, so while I absolutely think that, yes, Oscar should be able to deal with this himself, get it figured out for himself before he has to then present it to a group of people and, you know, hear their onslaught of ideas and thoughts and opinions. But boy, we don't have that kind of time right now. <laughs> <laughs> that is an excellent point. Mark, how about you? I think I, I agree with everybody. Uh, I Didn't we have two seasons about this very... It was season six was I can't believe... I can't believe Ospin. And then season seven was... So uh, have you have you heard from Ospin and and now season eight seems to be shut yeah. up Ospin yeah <laughs> um, but I, I hope that I hope that uh, yes Oscar does need to work with it but I was I was hoping a little bit more for a well actually Oscar just learned that talking isn't going to solve this uh, at least talking with Ironwood isn't going to solve this so Maybe that's putting him in a place of the last thing that people, the last person that people want to hear from is one, me, two, Ozpin. So let me try to figure this thing out before I bring it up to everybody. But knowing the show, it's going to be brought in before it's supposed to be. Yep. It's going to be brought about in the most dramatic way possible. Um, but yeah, I, I am very like... Yeah, it's it's one of those things where I but I think it, it would have been important to communicate that. But like if he had also said, hey, everybody, Ozpin is back. Um, I think in a lot of ways that would kind of undermine what they're doing a little bit um, because it's like, oh, OK, so uh, the the immortal grown-up is going to go ahead and tell us what to do now, right? He's got all the answers, right? And it's just like, no, he doesn't. He's not. <laughs> I don't think Ozpin really has much, like outside of information about Salem or maybe some expertise he has, there's not really much he has to offer, I think, in the way of advice right now because he's still getting over a lot of emotional stuff too. But like, I think... It speaks a lot to the faith that he has in Team Ruby 
to ultimately not only try to do the right thing, but succeed in doing the right thing, that he wouldn't just be like, okay, like Oz, Ozpin's back now. He'll tell us what to do. Like, I, I, I understand that. I wonder if the team is going to hit such a low that him revealing that information as a, like a vote of confidence of like, no, I mean, I've been talking with Ozpin for the past couple of days, but I knew that you, wait, you've been talking to Ozpin? And he hasn't put like, that's how I imagine it, like blowing up in everybody's faces. Oh, for sure. It could definitely come about that way. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't necessarily think that a reveal right now would have been the most constructive thing. But you are absolutely right, because every time our characters make a choice, regardless (laughs) of intent and regardless of whether or not it's a good choice or a bad choice. And this was part of the theme of the last volume. Sometimes you make the best choices given a bad circumstance. And even if it was the best choice you could have made, it'll still come back to bite you. (laughs) Did you mean all of Ruby? (laughs) Osmond has been playing a pickup game for a thousand years let's be real this is this is all very much a mess so yeah nobody's making good choices but that doesn't mean I'm not here for it (sighs) again not a bad choice it's just a choice and we all have we all make choices and we all have to live with the consequences that's an ongoing theme in this show, and it's one I very much appreciate, even if it does make us yell at the screen on occasion. <laughs> um, okay, I think on that note, uh, let's go ahead and wrap it up for this episode. Cannot wait, cannot wait for the rest of the volume. Uh, again, thank you to Kruby for uh, uh, this year has been insane, and they have given us something Uh, that we've been looking forward to for a long time. And I'm so happy that they managed to get it done and not only get it done, but get it done looking as polished and slick and wonderful as it does. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you to everybody on the crewby, And thank you all so much for listening. Mark, where can people go if they want to keep up with you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mark B. Donica. I'm streaming every now and again on Twitch. Um, we had a ridiculous couple of games of Among Us last week where Stacy won. That's that's really that's really the best way that I could put I can put it is like I felt like I had a really good couple of games as the imposter. I felt I had some good call outs as a as a crewmate, but Stacy won just in general. Um, I'm, I want to cut it down. I want to cut the video down and, and try to make it a little bit more palatable than the whole three hour stream. So um, that's coming eventually, not soon. But uh, if you want to watch it in the meantime, uh, head over to my Twitch at twitch.tv slash Mark uh, That's also where my wife and I do our theme parks podcast, Party of Two, which has its own Twitter account, Party of Two Pod. And uh, we're, we're going to be talking about the, uh, the attempt at christmas offerings this year and how that's a bad idea during covid times uh, so we're going to be we record every sunday so make sure to join us there but until then just follow me at mark Bidonica. stacy i'm stacy shuttleworth you can find me on twitter and instagram at stacy shuttles you can occasionally find me on mark's stream uh playing <laughs> among us and occasionally having good plays <laughs> and if you ever want to talk about winter's ponytail find me on our discord or on twitter (laughs) very important and should be noted 
It should. This uh, is true. I mean, we talked about glow-ups in this episode, but we did not talk about her change of outfit in the intro. We'll get to that next time for sure. I think we'll get to that <laughs> when it happens, you know? When we get to see it in more than half a second. Oh, but it was fantastic. Katie. I just want to say real quick that I think Weiss's plan was to call mom. I'm just going to throw that out there. Just going to just going to put a pin in that one so if it happens. That's important that anyway. Call your parents. Hey, yeah. Going to throw that that off of the uh, prediction precipice and see what happens. Um yeah. I'm Katie. You can follow me all over the social medias as well as on YouTube and Twitch at Kiaje. That is K-I-A-X-E-T. If you like reaction videos, reactions to this and also to Red vs. Blue, which is coming down the line, live on that YouTube channel. I am also on a podcast called On The Point. It is an Overwatch and Overwatch League podcast. We are currently on break because the season is as well. But yeah, if you enjoy backlogs and my co-host and I doing a whole lot of yelling about a whole lot of crazy plays, they are there. And I'm Megan. You guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Menguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. Be sure to follow the whole team at the Rooster Team on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we don't have an Instagram, I don't think. We did. We don't. <laughs> we haven't kept up with it. Oops. Sorry. I went into my normal. <laughs> no, that's a, that's absolutely fine. Outro. People can follow it if they want. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I have a YouTube channel called Silver Screams where me and Katie talk about horror things. And I have a lost retrospective podcast called No Love Lost, where my co my co-host Will Link loves Lost and I don't. And we talk about it. Like I said, follow follow the whole team at the Rooster Team. Uh check out our T Public store. Go to iTunes, rate, subscribe, leave a comment. Again, we love hearing from you. Join our Discord, all that good stuff. We love you guys. And uh we have one more announcement. So as always, we are, uh, we're going to end it with the important stuff. So wear a mask. Anytime you're walking outside your door, even if it's just to get the mail or walk your dog, wear a mask. The <laughs> COVID is on the rise, you guys. Winter is going to be difficult and we need to take care of each other. Wearing a mask protects other people. So make sure you wear a mask. Support your essential workers. Black Lives Matter, Black Trans Lives Matter, Black LGBTQIA Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, defund the police, protest safely if you are protesting, support your protesters. Uh, thank you for voting, you guys. You did good. Thank you for voting. And remember to support the post office. We're, uh, we're not out of the woods on that one. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other, because that is the only way we're going to make it through this is taking care of each other. Stay safe, and we love you. Thank you guys again so, so much for listening. This has been Ruby Redux, and now it's time to say goodbye.